the market. Two nights had come and gone since our tree was wrested from his home and hauled into the world of men. And as this third day wore on, and many of his companions were removed, our tree felt lonelier than ever. But then he noticed a smaller two-legged creature looking at him, whose face spoke not of the cruelty our tree had come to expect, but of kindness and optimism, innocence and faith. And for the first time since his cruel cutting, our tree began to feel hope rise in his timbered breast. Daddy, said the small creature in a high voice, I like this one. Our tree shivered as a bigger creature approached, but it was not a smiting hand that took hold of him, it was one of gentleness, and it gently bore him away. Looking down, our tree could see that the taller creature's limb was touching the limb of the smaller one in what seemed a gesture of affection as the two walked side by side. Now some of the words we use to describe things in this story may strike you as strange. Why say limbs when we know that our tree saw the man and his son walking hand in hand? The reason is that we are telling this story from the tree's point of view, and at the start of our tale he knew only the words of the forest, which had never yet seen men. Now did our tree let fall some sap in tears of gratitude, for in these two creatures he sensed a breed apart from the first assailants. Upon the shoulder of the shorter one did this tear fall. The tree's crying, Dad, said the smaller one, noticing the drop on his garment. Goodness me, said the taller one in a deep voice. What an imagination you have! and our tree perceived the limb of the taller creature squeeze the limb of the shorter one as they proceeded. It was not long before they came to a tall structure standing against the sky. Through an opening in the side of this structure they entered, up a hill made of notches they climbed, until they reached an area with straight lines. Confined it was compared to the great wood, but after his ordeal our tree was happy to be here. Set down in one corner of the area, and placed upon a vessel containing water, our tree surveyed his surroundings and drank great quaffs that replenished his sap. All seemed bedecked with bright and beckoning objects that sparkled and gleamed in the light, and many pleasing things were set before our tree. Stretching towards him were a row of red objects that seemed like the garments the two-legged creatures wore on their feet, and each one bulged as if fit to burst with its contents and in the opposite corner stood a small furry creature, like a miniature bear, and though motionless, its bright beady eyes seemed to glint and beckon in eager anticipation of some forthcoming event. And alongside that bear was a large object with a row of white teeth, with smaller black teeth between them. Our tree was to find out it could make beautiful music when its teeth were pressed down, and on top of that object, was a collection of miniature two-legged creatures, frozen in gesture and expression. Each appeared to gaze in adoration upon a central being, smaller and more vulnerable than the rest, and lying horizontally in a wooden hollow. These creatures were all of a kinder, gentler disposition than those who had cut our tree in the forest, and alongside them stood a four-legged beast, also in frozen miniature, and it reminded him of home, where other four-footed animals frequently traversed the forest floor beneath him. I am alive after all, he said to himself, and kinder creatures now surround me, who mean me no harm. 
And indeed his hopes were realised, for now both two-legged creatures, along with two others who seemed to live there too, set to work around our tree, adorning him with all manner of shiny and glittering decoration, and of such vibrant and varied hue that they reminded our tree of the rainbows, that on occasion would soar in graceful arch over him and his forest kin. And beneath the lower branches of our tree they placed all manner of brightly wrapped packages that seemed to be filled with love. Then, as if to crown their design, the tallest creature lifted up the younger one who had first noticed our tree, so that he could place on its top a glorious star that sparkled in the light. Our tree looked down proudly upon his graceful limbs, and thought he was quite a handsome tree, and even wished his fellows could see him now. And all the while, the wound of his cut began to heal in the vessel of water at his foot. Finally, the little boy and his father, for our tree had now learned the difference between a boy and a man, and knew the boy to be the son of the man, wrapped a line of shiny ornaments around our tree, and when they connected this line to what they called a wall, the ornaments lit up in many-coloured brilliance, and this brilliance filled the room as night fell. The tree's heart swelled within his timbered breast in delight, and he played in his fancies with the shadows around and beneath and above him. He also realised that the young boy had a mother and a sister, and he remembered with sorrow his own dear sister, wishing that she might stand in a room as beautiful as this and be among creatures as kind. Over the coming days, more packages accumulated at the foot of our tree, and delicious fragrances filled the air, and the creatures drank of inspiriting waters and ate good things. They celebrated and danced on their two legs and made music upon that toothed object, which they called a piano, and sang songs and told stories and recited poems. Our tree felt approach a day of great anticipation. This day, he learned, was called Christmas, and it celebrated the story of another boy who appeared in a winter of a former age, perhaps the age of the ancient forest, our tree thought to himself, and that this was the same boy adored by the miniature figures in frozen gesture on the piano top. This gathering, he was to find out, was called a nativity scene. One of our tree's favourite poems, among the several he heard, was about a certain Saint Nick. It was splendid verse, he thought, playful and joyous, and he wished he could share it with his fellows from the forest, where poets and poetry were held in the greatest reverence, for poetry was the forest's first language. <laughs>